0: You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 309 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode I want to bring up the Eleusinian mysteries that were initiations held every year for the cult of Demeter and Persephone in ancient Greece. But before we get into the Eleusinian mysteries, I first want to share this important public service announcement. On the YouTubes, there are many kinds of channels you can follow. Reaction channels, mukbang channels, prank channels, comedy channels, and PewDiePie or MrBeast. But they are already making bank. Consider supporting a channel that as of yet hasn't really decided even what it is.
1: If you build it,
0: nerds will come. The Natural Born Alchemist YouTube channel. Search for that on YouTube and you will find it. And apart from posting the podcast, I make videos on alchemy, psychedelics, anarchy and films. Hopefully, you'll enjoy them. It would really help if you subscribe. Thank you. Subscribe. A lot of folks have been praising the book The Immortality Key. The Secret History of the Religion with No Name by Brian Murarescu. I'm not one of those people. Uh, I think this book is trash. It's done by a fucking hack. And if you feel these are strong words, maybe you are right. Maybe that is going a bit too far, calling it trash and calling him a hack. What the fuck do I know? But it is an important topic to me, and there is a a very good reason, I think, why I use such strong language. Because I do not like the way the author of that book treated the subject matter. But before I talk about The Immortality Key, um, and before I get into my rant, I want to play a 20-minute talk by Terence McKenna, on the Eleusinian mysteries in order to set the stage. I did a video version of this talk over at my YouTubes uh, if you want to check that out. Here's Terence.
1: The fall of Eleusis. Well, as you all probably know, Eleusis was a cult site near Athens uh, on a plain, very fertile plain outside of ancient Athens. And uh, they celebrated the greatest of the greek mysteries there they celebrated uh it was a, a biennial or i mean a twice yearly festival in the spring they would celebrate uh, uh the lesser mystery and this seemed to be a fairly local get together of some sort and probably a planting festival but every september for two thousand years for two thousand years people from all over the Greco-Roman world would come for the festival at Eleusis and the rule was, first of all it was open to everyone men, women, free man, slave everyone could attend, the rule was you could only attend once in your life and so you had one shot at whatever this thing was and you were sworn to silence and literally everyone who was anyone went to Eleusis to experience the mysteries I mean Herodotus Thucydides Plato Aeschylus Euripides um, everybody uh, w- people would make journeys of thousands of miles it was the wellspring of Greek spirituality. The problem is we can't we don't know with certainty what the excitement was all about I mean we know that there was an inner cult area called the Telesterion and that people would that something was drunk and that something was seen. And in the 19th century, they just went nuts on this subject, I talk about it in my book, and they finally, all these uh, constipated Victorian classicists, decided that the mystery of Eleusis must be a representation of uh, the female genitals, illuminated at the height of this ceremony by a laser light show of some sort, and so you know it was just absurd i mean it was a, a complete distillation of the victorian mind being projected i mean you'd like to believe that the roots of western civilization are deeper than a peep show but hey who knows uh there was a very interesting incident in it's called uh, the scandal of 415 which is that in 415 B.C. a wealthy Athenian noble named Alcibiades uh, was busted for the charge was possessing the Eleusinian mystery and distributing it to guests at dinner well this seems to make it fairly clear that this was not a clay representation of anybody's genitals uh, this was some kind of dope of some sort. So then the scholars whip out their knives and and all kinds of theories have been brought forward. Uh, some of you may know the, the um, scholar Robert Graves discusses this in The White Goddess. And his theory, which I think deserves to be more, more looked at than it has, his theory was that... Um, these recipes, people drank something from a special cup called a Kekekion, and uh, recipes supposedly exist for what they drank. And it's honey, barley, something else, and always water. And, and uh, uh, Graves argued that you don't... That water is not something that you list as an ingredient of something you drink. Obviously, it has water in it. So he said, the inclusion of water in this list is in order that there can be an augum. Do you know what an augum is? And you will when I tell you, because you've all seen them. An augum is when you make a list of things in such a way that the first letters spell out a word. So the idea was that in Demotic Greek, the words for barley, honey, water, and this fourth ingredient that I can't remember, those four words can be arranged to spell out the word myko, which means mushroom. So Robert Graves was convinced that a psilocybin mushroom lay behind the Eleusinian mysteries. This is a pretty good... uh, this is uh, not entirely unreasonable. Now, a few years ago there was a book written by uh, the great mushroom enthusiast and discoverer, Gordon Wasson, and the chemist who discovered LSD. Albert Hoffman and the classicist uh, Ruck, the three of them, and Jonathan Ott, I think, was also in there, wrote a book called uh, Persephone's Quest, not Persephone's Quest, that's a different book, The Road to Eleusis. And they put forth there a new theory, which was that uh, on the plain of Eleusis, they grew uh, barley. And and, uh, these people thought that there may have been a a special strain of claviceps. Do you all know what claviceps is? Do you all know what ergot is? Ergot is a smut. A smut is a disgusting disease, a fungal disease of grain. Have you ever been in a cornfield and seen an ear of corn that looks like it's covered with some black, slimy, horrible stuff that's flowing out of it and all over it, it's absolutely disgusting. Although, God, in California, I don't know if this is hit here yet, but in California for the past year, the hippest thing that you can be served at pretentious art openings and stuff like that is corn smut, which they spread on crackers. Mm. And it's just horrible and it's really expensive. I mean, it's more expensive than caviar and it's just become a craze and I wouldn't get near it. I mean, it's not only disgusting to look at, but the chemistry of it is so weird. God alone, I mean, hives would be the least of your problems. Anyway, so corn smut and there are rye smuts and there are wheat smuts. But interestingly, the, the rye smut, which is ergot, is an, uh, an organism called claviceps pospoly, uh produces LSD-like alkaloids. And uh, the problem is that um, ergot-related alkaloids are also... Uh, very tend to cause convulsions or they can cause convulsions if any of you suffer from migraine headaches now there are a lot of different drugs for migraine but up until just four or five years ago the drug of choice for migraine was called ET ergonamine tartrate Ergonomine tartrate if you've got a kilo of it you can settle down and make several million hits of LSD. Ergonomine tartrate is this very rigidly controlled underground substance that is produced legally only in certain sanctioned fields in northern Pakistan and it's produced for the world market of migraine sufferers and you get these little tiny blue pills. I, I have migraines. I used to take ergot but I don't, I've gotten it under control. But anyway uh it's the drug of choice for migraine because it constricts uh, the vessel the blood arteries going into the head anyway uh wasson and hoffman argued that what they were doing at eleusis is that they were brewing an ergot beer they were deliberately gathering barley that was infected with claviceps and they were uh brewing an intoxicating beer and people were having a hallucinogenic experience. Well now this is a great area for uh, the able-bodied among us to do research because it should be possible to collect uh, claviceps and maybe even to go to Eleusis and collect claviceps there and culture it out and see if you could make an ergot beer that would actually get you hallucinogenically stoned I'm not sure what's going on. uh, Ergot is a dangerous substance. Many years ago I knew these people who occasionally dealt illegal substances and uh, one day they they were moving some ET to somebody and uh, they asked this guy there if he would take this ounce of E.T. and deliver it to this certain address and they when they gave it to him they said now this is E.T. you know so just leave it alone and he got out in the car and he looked he opened up the baggie and it was this white powder and he said you know (laughs) these people can't fool me so he honked up a little of it and then he went on his appointed rounds and and the guy who was supposed to have the stuff delivered, um, he was sitting in his house and he heard this commotion on his front porch and opened the door to find this guy flopping around with his legs and feet in the air having uh, uh, convulsive seizures because of the E.T. he snorted up. It's just one more story about the dangers of white powder drugs, folks. Uh, Anyway, it's important for the argument because um, I don't see how they could have been serving several thousand people ergotized beer every September for 2,000 years and not had the Ellisonian Mysteries get a certain reputation for risk, you know, that people would have convulsions and conceivably even die of heart attacks. I mean, how could they get that many people loaded year in and year out and not get a bad rap on it? And then I I talked to Albert Hoffman about this and he didn't seem to feel that it was such a problem. He said that what you could do is uh, float hot oil on the surface of this beer and you could draw off the convulsive alkaloids, would have an affinity for the hot oil, and then you could just skim this oil off and discard it, and you would leave the hallucinogenic material in the beer. Well, I haven't tried this. Uh, like I say, it's for the able-bodied. But in any case, this was the last outpost in the West of uh, a psychedelic mystery. And eventually... Those enthusiastic Christian barbarians appeared on the scene. In this case, it was Alaric the Visigoth, a great guy to take to an art museum. And, uh, you know, they, they smashed it all to pieces. Alaric the Visigoth was... Kick ass people don't realize that these barbarian invasions of the late roman empire the vandals took over a huge swath of north africa they didn't just stop at the bottom of the boot of italy or on the peloponnesian peninsula these guys just kept rolling and huge parts of africa were under the control of visigoths and, and uh, vandals north africa carthaginian coast of the mediterranean And that killed, that was the end of the Ilycenian Mysteries. Uh, But it shows how late this mystical psychedelic impulse uh, persisted in Western civilization. Uh, See, the thing that gave the Greeks their genius was that it was a mingling of of a northern mentality coming out of Thracia and places like that, meeting a tr- very old, mystical, uh, feminist culture that had its roots 10,000 years deep in Saharan Africa via Egypt and uh, in Turkey, uh, because it was said even in classical times what is celebrated in secret at Eleusis is celebrated publicly at Knossos uh, in in Mycenae you see the Mycenae uh, in, in Minoan Crete you see Minoan civilization was an archaic civilization it preserved the goddess worship the opium use uh, uh, all of these archaic styles were preserved in, in Minoan Crete for millennia after the rule on the coast of Asia Minor was kingship, bronze-tipped spears, city building, and that whole sweat socks mentality that built up there. Uh, And what finished those folks off was around 950 A.D. uh, Mycenaean pirates eventually laid siege to these Minoan cities and after centuries of slowly drifting deeper and deeper into opiated decadence Minoan crete fell but all of the mysteries and the mysticism and the orgiastic rites and all of these archaic forms were then imported into Greece as mystery religions, as cult practices Uh, one of the puzzles of Minoan religion is that they worshiped these things or they had a religious relationship to these things called uh, an pillars they're called what they are, are mushrooms as far as I can tell they built shrines they worshiped columns but these columns were slightly flared on the top if any of you are interested in that well something that should be said see we have a distorted view of, of how culture developed and what classicism really meant, because for the past throughout the 18th and 19th century, European scholarship spent a huge amount of time it distorting and erasing the debt of Greek civilization to Africa. They they basically screwed with the record because they just couldn't bring themselves to believe that all this wonderful architecture and proportion and mathematics that it was little brown people who were responsible for this and and if you're interested in this, this book, there's a book by Burnell called Black Athena that is a really radical book have any of you read it? It had quite a it was very controversial a couple of years ago. Great book, and it shows how how Western culture misrepresented the debt of classicism to Africa. I mean, they could tolerate the idea of Egypt as long as you always made sure, you know, that these people were white as the driven snow. Well, it's a bunch of malarkey. I mean, it was a it was a thoroughgoing black culture, and. Everything was derivative of it right up until, I don't know, the Byzantine Empire or something. I mean, Plato freely acknowledged his debt to this stuff. It was just that it was unswallowable to late European culture. And there are, it's, not, it's no uh, shuck and jive. I mean, we think 19th century scholarship was so careful and so wonderful, and what it really was was an old boys club. I mean, they were fast and loose with this stuff. You know, I think when it's all sorted out, it all happened in Africa. I mean, language, religion, symbolic activity, theater, all of this stuff was in place in Africa from, say, 20,000 B.C. up until around 9,000 B.C. in the Saharan grasslands. Which then, because of drying, uh, these people were forced into the Nile Valley and uh, into a different cultural style. But uh, the African cradle of civilization, I don't even regard that as a theory. Anybody who doesn't believe that is going to have to do some fast talking. And, you know, there's been this recent effort to say that uh, the Australian Aborigines broke off very, very early. But, um, you know, it's pretty specious, I think. You probably all know the theory of Eve and the fact that you can trace the maternal line through the episome of the mitochondria. So you can actually... It's actually now believed that every human being on Earth is descended from one woman and this woman lived in Africa less than 200,000 years ago you know it's really amazing all other human lines have been quenched somewhere along the line she was her progeny were phenomenally successful and uh, uh, this this is I would say now the strongest theory about this now is the Eve theory when it was first propounded it was thought to be a screwball but that's because the physical anthropologists didn't really understand how the molecular geneticists achieved this conclusion once it was explained to everybody it's pretty clear you know that that we are all descended from one single female human being not that there weren't other human beings that she was embedded in as a society. But none of those lines of descent reach to the present.
0: One thing I find interesting is that according to Terence McKenna he said that every woman, man free man and slave gets to participate in this mystical experience. And I'm thinking like if indeed it was a psychedelic, a mushroom or something how could they allow slavery? I mean, why didn't they ingest uh, the mushroom or or whatever psychedelic substance and and realize that slavery is wrong or something like that? And, and, And I have an answer to that. Because really, if you think about it, does it matter if you're a slave or if you're free? Because life is not the 50 or Sixty, seventy, eighty years we spend tilling the land on earth. Life is an, life is an eternal experience. Eternity. I mean, when we die, we wake up. there is no death. What does it matter if you spent eighty years as a slave? if you spend an eternity as a fucking god. So from that perspective, you know, I mean, I mean, if if I was a slave, I would want to be free. But if I took a psychedelic substance and had a really good experience, maybe I would, you know, not care so much I was a slave. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, it can't really be compared, but I've had many different kinds of issues with my life. Like I wasn't happy with my job, with a relationship, whatever. And when I took the psychedelic substance and I had a very good deep uh, ceremony, uh, often the wisdom I gained was that don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. These are tiny, tiny, petty issues. It's not about your life right now. It's about the grand scheme of things. And if you can remain calm, sentient, peaceful, loving as a slave, then all the glory will be given to you when you pass over into the next realm. I'm not sure it's like that, but that's how I'm thinking, you know? I mean, if you if you're a free individual, you're free, you're on this planet, you're rich, you're free, you don't you live a whole life, there's no disease. you know, everything is like smooth sailing from birth to death. I mean, uh, when you actually die and you enter your higher state of being, uh I mean, what was the point of that life, really? I mean, you didn't learn anything, you weren't challenged. I mean, wouldn't it be greater to have a really difficult life, a really painful life? I mean if you really struggled, if you really had a hard life, if you really fought for your freedom, if you suffered through pain and hardship, and then you enter the eternal state of being at one with the divine mystery. Wouldn't you get more from that? I'm not saying we should be slaves, you know. I'm just thinking like, I'm trying to think outside the box here. From that perspective that I just gave, uh, it's not strange that you would have a society that once a year takes psychedelics and still allows slavery, you know. Because the thing is, life and the mystery of life is, is way bigger than, than, than the earthly existence, right? That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, enough rambling. Let's get down to it. The Immortality Key. The Secret History of the Religion with No Name by Brian Murarescu. This book dives into the role psychedelics have played in the origins of Western civilization. In one aspect, I can agree that the book is fascinating, somewhat extensively researched over many years, and the book has the possibility of being an important book. But there's nothing new in the book. In a sense, this book has already been written many times by others, And for the initiated, it's just a lot of rehashing of old ideas. But for the uninitiated that have never looked into these topics, then this book would give a good breakdown and a new perspective of the past. I'll give it that much credit. I want to read a quote from the book and this deals with... It's kind of like it tells you what the book is going to to answer what kind of questions it will answer. So the quote goes like this. How psychedelics were the shortcut to enlightenment that founded Western civilization, first in the Eleusinian mysteries, then in the Dionysian mysteries. How paleo-Christianity inherited this tradition from the ancient Greeks, later passing it to the witches of the Middle Ages and Renaissance. And how the Vatican would repeatedly suppress the original psychedelic, Eucharist to rob Christians of the beatific vision first in Europe and then around the world after the Catholic Colonization of Africa Asia and Latin America a truly global conspiracy While there is some merit to this and even if people like Carl P. Rock already put forth such ideas in the book The Road to Eleusis There is something that Brian Murarescu fails to even fucking mention This epic failure is the major reason why I think this book is trash and, in a way, an insult. The title of the book is The Immortality Key, the secret history of the religion with no name. The religion has a name, shamanism. That is the simple answer. Now, of course, amongst the diverse indigenous cultures that have historically practiced or currently practiced some form of shamanism, the religion is known by many different names, but we in the West, we might use the umbrella term shamanism. But the actual word shamanism derives from the Russian word shaman, which itself comes from the word saman from Tungusic language. The origin of the word is sometimes connected to the the Tungus root sa, meaning to know, But the verdict is still not out on that. And excuse my pronunciation of of Russian and, and the other language there. I don't know how you pronounce it. Regardless, the term shamanism is somewhat problematic because it's used to refer to a variety of different cultures and practices around the world, which can vary dramatically and may not be accurately represented by a single concept. But... To make it easy, let's use the umbrella term shamanism. But keep in mind that that is like calling all religions Christianity. It's not really accurate, but you get the point. So shamanic practices may originate as early as Paleolithic, the old stone age, predating all organized religions. We are talking about anything from like 10,000 years ago to a million years ago. In a review of this book, author of the Psychedelic Gospels, Jerry B. Brown, and he appeared on the podcast in episode 169, he writes, and I quote, In addition to simply being called the Mysteries by the ancient Greeks, it is known as the little one who springs forth among the Mazatec of Mexico and was known as Soma among the Aryan invaders of ancient India, to name but a few. Murarescu asserts that this no-name religion survived for millennia in total absence of the written word. To the contrary, in the case of the Rigveda, one of the world's oldest religious texts, written in Sanskrit some 3,500 years ago, the 10th mandala is devoted to praise of Soma. This belies Murarescu's narrative that the immortality key has unearthed an unnamed religion, Which had been deleted completely from the human record. So yeah, of course, uh, facts like that uh, destroys Murarescu's narrative that the immortality key has unearthed an unnamed religion. The religion has a name, and the umbrella name for that religion is shamanism. And uh, to fail to even mention indigenous cultures in a book about the origins of Western society in, in connection with psychedelic substances is an insult to indigenous cultures. Does anybody really believe that these white people in ancient Greece just suddenly, out of nowhere, just started doing this stuff? Of course not. There is always a source. And for ancient Greece, the source is Africa. And Africa is the psychedelic cradle of our world. In short, don't erase indigenous culture and indigenous knowledge and indigenous heritage. Something colonialism has always done to indigenous people is they're trying to erase their significance, as does this book he should have at least mentioned it. And if he did a really good job, he should have written a few chapters on it and he shouldn't have titled the book The Religion with No Name. He should have titled it The Religion with the Umbrella Name Shamanism. Now, I could uh, dissect this book in depth, but I don't have time for that. I only want to raise up the indigenous perspective and implore you to if you enjoyed Muradescu's book, to look in its bibliography and read those books as well. And then perhaps dive into indigenous history, because that is where you will find the true religion with no name. Perhaps Murarescu would have understood this if he had done some psychedelics instead. Some say that not having done psychedelics was his advantage in writing this book, but I disagree. If I read a history book about cars, I would like the author to have at least sat in one at some point in his life.
1: Hey, this is Anthony Tyler, host of Black Hoodie Alchemy on the Fringe FM. You can catch me every Monday evening, 6 p.m. Pacific Time, where we uh, talk about the dark side of metaphysics and we'll chill a little bit. Uh, And you can catch me the day after on Spotify or Apple or Amazon or wherever else you stream your podcasts. If you've ever wondered what someone like Carl Jung might say about serial killers or perhaps cryptids, then this is the show for you. Skeptical, yet open-minded. Empirical, but philosophical. We are going to talk about some really weird stuff, so I hope you join me on Black Hoodie Alchemy. Take it easy.
0: Please follow the podcast in social media. Leave a nice review on Spotify or iTunes. That really helps. And share it with your friends if you like it. Recommend it. All the links can be found in the program notes and on naturalballalchemist.com. I will close this episode with some music by the Shipibo of Peru. A medicine song, an Icaro. And this little gem is called Children by the River and is lifted from the album "Woven songs of the Amazon. I picked this one because it's catchy, it's healing, it has charm and in it for once we hear the children sing. Freedom is in the mind.
1: Ai, não acho acho é chubo, kikimut sa chubo Ai, não acho acho é chubo,
0: kikimut
1: kawang, kiri kawishate Acho kawang, kiri kawishate No kum papa riki, wain biribi No kum papa riki, biribi Viriga- Prize- Fear- cruise- Sh separate- Abhi- Road- a shono bukaman shati, bishati. A shono bukaman kirika bishati. Nukunti tariki murwa kai biribi. Nukunti tariki murwa kai biribi. A shono bukaman kirika bishati. A shono kirika bishati. Wuta wuta wuta. Ndiri Și hai cu pereții o iei cu curații. Hai să vă! Hai